it's the H-Dog Pod with your host, Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Hey, welcome to episode 32, the Roy Halladay edition of the podcast. There simply could not be another player I could select for this episode. Doc Halladay was a Hall of Fame pitcher and legend for the Blue Jays and Phillies, where he threw a postseason no-hitter and a perfect game. But as we saw in the E60 Imperfect, the Roy Halladay story documentary, he led anything but a perfect life. He struggled to maintain the perfect image and battled addiction issues along with personal demons before he tragically died in a plane crash in 2017 that in part happened because of those things. That documentary is an absolute must-see by everyone. Rest in peace, Roy Doc Halliday. And there's no proper way to segue from that, so I won't even try. I am very excited to have on my next guest. So without further ado, let's get cracking. Okay, now welcome on Jamie Noodles McLennan. He was a goaltender in the NHL for 11 years on six different teams, and he currently works at TSN as an analyst. He's part of the trio of guys on Overdrive with Brian Hayes and the O-Dog Jeff O'Neill on TSN 1050 in Toronto. Welcome to the H-Dog Pod, Jamie. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? No, I'm not too bad. Not, not too bad. Uh, well, I mentioned off the top there, uh, your nickname was uh, Noodles. I'm sure you get asked this a lot. Uh, how'd that come to be? You know what? It's it's like a it's something that stuck a long time ago, and I can't shake it. But ultimately, it's uh, uh, when I was in junior hockey, which was a hundred years ago. I <laughs> we used to stop at these terrible little diners on the way to have pregame meals, and uh, a lot of times after the first period or halfway through the second period, my Salisbury steak and greasy mashed potatoes or whatever they decided to feed us that day would always be stuck in my throat. So mm-hmm. I started uh, bringing a crock pot on the road and uh, we had one plug in on the bus back in the day. These buses were not like they are equipped today. And I would plug in a crock pot and make some craft dinner and after a while, some of the guys started staying on the bus to, to eat that instead of some of the slop they were serving. So uh, it was one of those things that uh, it's not the sexy, sexiest of stories, but, you know, ultimately that's kind of what it was. And and that nickname stuck with me for, um, until this day. And I'm, I guess it's 30 years later because I'm 49 years old and I played junior when I was 17, 18 and 19. Uh, I still have that nickname. Well, just sort of like with my nickname as well, Hound Dog, I've mentioned a couple of times. It's it's not as good. The story is definitely not as great as the nickname maybe per, perhaps would would seem to be, unfortunately. I said off the top, uh, you're part of the, the trio on Overdrive with O-Dog and uh, Brian Hayes. Uh, what are your uh, fave uh, stories with uh, those those guys? Well, you know, the, the thing about it is when people ask kind of what our formula is, it's, you know, you know the show well. We just... I think the three of us are friends first and foremost, and there's a layer of respect there that, uh, you know, we know that we have a job to do, but ultimately when we turn the mics on, it's just like three friends, you know, three relatives, three brothers talking and we talk sports and, you know, I, I'm, I'm biased, but I think Brian Hayes is the best radio host in the country. I think he does such an amazing job and uh, you know, for O is such a unique person um, you know, you just love to hear him tell stories and he's kind of in and out of the conversation. And for me, I just kind of, I just try and kind of be in the middle, if that makes sense. And, and, you know, lay out that my opinion, I, I don't get too worked up about things, but I, I, I think it's, it just works for the three of us. So we, we enjoy it on a daily basis. And, you know, the, the prep is basically, we pay attention to kind of, you know, current events and everything that's going on. Obviously it's in Toronto, it's very Toronto centric, but you know, it's, it's, it's good for us. And, 
you know, some days are a little bit tougher than others, but for the most part, we've got some pretty good segments and we have a lot of fun. And, and certainly, uh, I think the best shows are ones that go by very quickly and you blink and you're like, man, I, I still had more to say, but, uh, uh, you know, Brian does a good job of, uh, keeping it on the rails when O and I, uh, seem to take it off, uh, at least once a show. Do you, uh, every, t- every so often, uh, throw a, a take out there that you don't, you don't even necessarily believe, but you just want to get, uh, Jeff O'Neill, uh, rattled and, uh, ranting. Uh, you know what? I don't know if it's, it's not that I don't necessarily believe in, there's times where you probably, you know, you, I'll end up being the contrarian, but it, I, I, I'm not that really against it, but I'll play that role basically to, to kind of get, uh, you know, get some fodder out there. But, you know, I, I think that the funny thing is, is whether it's me or Brian or, Oh, if, if you can tell it hits a nerve on the guy, you know, it's like the locker room. You kind of double down on it and guys have some fun with it. You know, it doesn't get personal. And I think, like you say, there's so much respect between the three of us that, you know, if, if guys know they can get to me about something or vice versa, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do it in a way that we have some fun with it, but I don't think we ever cross that line. It's more just about, uh, you know, what's good for entertainment and, and also good for conversation. You know, if you have three guys that sit and agree on everything, it's kind of boring to be mm-hmm. honest. So, um, you know, that's the beauty. We all come from three different backgrounds. So rarely, I, I think we just see it three different ways. And a lot of times we may, we may agree on a topic, but we, we come to an agreement just from different places, if that makes sense and share our experiences. So that's what I enjoy about the show. We have a lot of fun, certainly. And obviously a guy like Malls who does a really good job with our sound drops and we've integrated, you know, Al's brother into it and guys like that. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a lot on the show you work on too. Same type of thing, you know, with, with Jay and Dan, those guys are do such a good job of integrating everyone around them. And that's kind of what we've been able to do too. So, you know, Keith, uh, Keith Bauer, the grappler does a good job of booking and we've got so many people that help us get to air uh, as you know, uh, uh, the kind of the ins and outs uh, behind the scenes. Mm, absolutely. And have you ever said anything or, uh, and as soon as you said it immediately, we're like, Oh no, or like a, a horribly embarrassing moment or just something where you're, you're just like, Oh boy, what, what just happened? Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, to be honest, there's so many where you're like, you know, if you misspeak and, and you say something disrespectful, I think you apologize for it immediately. Sure. But it, I, I I don't think we get to a point where it's like that. But there's times where you're like, eh, you know, after a show, like I, I didn't really, uh, you know, agree with my take or didn't like the way that I articulated it. There's certainly things where you're like, ah, you know what, I, I, I wish I would have gone at it in a different light because maybe your emotions do get carried away. And instead of, uh, you know, being rational, you're emotional about it. And then, and you don't come across the right way. So there's many times where you're, you're trying to, I guess, get your point across radio. You can be, you can take a little bit longer to get your point across than maybe on TV where you've got 20 seconds to, to kind of get to your point and back it up. So, you know, in, in, with radio, there's times where, I know for a fact you're talking and then you you end up talking yourself into a, a circle. You're like, what the hell am I talking about? And <laughs> it's kind of fun because, you know, oh, we'll do that or I'll do that. Or even Hayes will, will get to a point where you're like, all right, 
you know what, let's move on because we've just basically, you know, killed the topic. So uh, there, there's too many of those stories to tell, but it really, it's, it's more times where, you know, we'll get a little bit heated and then in the break, especially when we were beside each other, you know, nowadays we're, we're all working out of our homes, but when we were beside each other, the mics go off and, they're like, sorry, man, I didn't mean to take it that way. I, I meant to take it this way. And you kind of talk it out and, and then you move on to the next topic. Like rarely will we bring back, uh, you know, another topic into a new segment because it's just you, you've got to you've got to move on. So I, that's the I, I think that's the beauty of our show is we get lo- lots of things going and then we kind of just stick with what works for us. And I think I, I find it's really good to sort of make fun of yourself because uh, on the last episode of this of this podcast, for example, I was talking to Sean Puffy Cameron at TSN, and I meant to say the word put, uh, pudding, but I guess uh, my brain went to golf and I said putting, so I just made fun yeah. of myself. You know, it, it's it's always good to have a little bit of uh, self-deprecating humor. Uh, I think. Oh, I, I I think that's what our show is all about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nobody takes themselves too seriously. Like that's the one thing that. You know, when it comes to our show, I think we're very comfortable with what we are as as people and and professionals and what we bring to the table. And you know, if we've had a bad segment or chewed our tongues off, that's the last thing we're gonna, you know, sit and, and try and be heroes about it. If anything, we call each other out and have some fun about it. So, to me, I'm a, um, I, you know, I'm not shy to to be self-deprecating. You know, I knew what I was as a player. Uh, I was proud of playing, uh, you know, and having a long career, but it wasn't like I was an all-star every year. I, I knew I was where I fit on the pecking order, but, uh, you know, I still look at it through a different lens and I try and bring that perspective to my analysis when I talk. Uh, the, that's great. And, and you played with uh, so many legends uh, throughout your career. I'll say a few names here and uh, quickly uh, give me what you, uh, what springs to mind when I say their name. Uh, first of all, Ron Hextall. You know what, Hexy? Everyone sees the the fiery Ron Hextall. Hextall going after Potvin. Hextall takes Potvin into the corner. And Ron Hextall rocked him, sucked him, goaltenders in. Hextall just keeps swinging with the right hand. You know, I I saw the family guy, um, you know, very soft-spoken, very funny, very quick-witted guy. Um, and, and what it was is you'd see Ron walk in, and, and, you know, very laid back and he'd go after Ray Ferraro and they'd be chirping back and forth. And then you would see Hexy. So the difference between Ron and Hexy was Hexy was a guy who was so intense. And I, I, I know this when, when I was 21, 22 years old, he was a veteran goaltender. I got to play with him. He taught me how to work hard. He taught me how to, to prepare for games and, 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 and to you know, be in the right mindset so you can give your team everything that night. And, and to me, you know, I know everyone talks about his physical style and him getting into fights and slashing and all that, but his preparation was second to none. So when I think of Hexy, I, I think of his work ethic, and that's what was so impressive for me, and I have so much respect for him. And honestly, he he showed me as as a professional kind of the the way to go and 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 in the way to how to be a, a good young professional at, a, at an early age. That's great. Uh, what about uh, Mika Kippersoff? Kipper is the exact opposite as far as preparation. Yeah, <laughs> Kipper, you know, he's he's still a dear friend to this day. 
one of the funniest guys I've ever played with. Great sense of humor. Uh, probably one of the greatest goaltenders I've ever played with. And I played with some great ones. It just, you know, he had the ability to see things on the ice that other people didn't. Uh, when you talk about preparation, his was different. He liked to joke around, have a lot of fun. But, you know, here's a guy who would legitimately stretch two hours in the morning, sit, sit there in the splits, uh, getting his body ready for that night. Wow. The, the mental and physical discipline it took to, to do stuff like that, I'd never seen that before. So obviously Kipper was a guy who was, you know, everyone jokes and, you know, he, he liked to have a lot of fun and he never took anything too seriously. But it's because he knew that he was ready. And, and so when I think about him, we, you know, the one thing that Kipper and I have always had is a ton of laughs, whether that was on the bench, uh, in between periods or on the plane afterwards, if we went for a drink or something, uh, uh, from the first day I ever met him, we got along very well. And, and to this day, we still do. Kippersoff kicks that out of midair with his heel. You want to talk athleticism. You want to talk competing. Watch Look that, that. save. I was listening to when I had you on uh, my previous podcast, the Going for Broke podcast, a couple of years ago, and you had told a story about Kipper being a prankster with uh, one of the trainers. Uh, do you remember that, Jim? Uh, yeah, Mark Deepasquale. So Deepo had bought uh, um, his kids. He had bought him a gerbil, or you know, one of those those hamsters or gerbils. I'm not sure which one. That, you know, the, that run on the wheel in a cage, and uh, uh, and apparently it only had one eye. So. <laughs> Kipper found out about it and I think Kipper would call him winky and we were playing a pretty serious game. I, I, I think we were going into overtime and Kipper would always, you know, come to the bench and get water and he'd be staring at Depot with his eye closed. Like he was, <laughs> like he was the one eyed hamster or gerbil and, and be laughing about it as he's skating back to the net to, you know, go into a shootout or go into overtime. Like everything about Kipper was uh, always had a purpose, but it, he loved to give it to people. And, uh, you know, Mark DePasquale was one of his guys because they were so close, but yeah, it was, I think it was like a one eyed, I, I want to say hamster, but uh, very funny story <laughs> where, you know, we're, I, I think fans are like, Oh my God, you know, so nervous. And, and watch her, watching Kipper go out there, and, and he's joking around about uh, Depot's hamster. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Uh, how about uh, Roberto Luongo? You know, Louis is, as we've seen now on Twitter, uh, his personality came out. And I'd said that a Fantastic. long time. The first minute I met him, you could tell he was a real sharp student of the game. Like, he, he knew the league. He knew his craft. He, he knew exactly what it took to play well that night but he had this sense of humor that was really kind of quiet and if you got as you got to know him you're like man this guy is so observant and so funny um and then it started to come out on twitter once people found out his twitter handle um but <laughs> but lou was you know a, a very unique individual as far as he kind of kept to his own but he has his little circle of trust and i like to think that i was kind of in there um very very family oriented which i respect a ton uh as you know comes from a great family has you know really good people that surround him and you know he was just a, a 
if I had to say it, you know, in one or two words, like this guy was just a true pro. Like he, he worked as hard as anybody. He wanted to play. He wanted to be the difference maker. Um, you know, but he also understood it as, as his career went on, I think he started to enjoy it a lot more. So you see him, you know, I remember one night, I think he gave up eight goals in Detroit and, and kind of took a shot at himself on Twitter and called him Luato instead of Luongo and, (laughs) you know, stuff like that. I remember thinking like, here's a guy who understands and is comfortable in his own skin, whether he played well that night or had an off night. And, you know, such an impressive person. I'm really, you know, you mentioned some great people that I was lucky enough to be partners with and, you know, Hexie Kipper, you know, Louie, guys like that, they're, they're top of the list. Well, I remember Luongo sort of a, a year or so before everyone started to realize Strombone was his uh, Twitter handle. Like there was that, there was that perception that not a lot of people loved him or whatever. And I was like, obviously he's an incredible goaltender. And it was, it's amazing how that completely changed 180. Uh, absolutely. Everyone loves uh, Roberto Luongo now, which is great to see. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It, it kind of came out in the, uh, in the wash to what a, a great person he was. And I think it was after he left Vancouver, unfortunately, like I, I still disagree with how he was kind of treated mm-hmm. at the end there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, looking back in hindsight, I think the fans didn't realize how good they had it. At one point you had Luongo and Schneider, you know, two top tier goaltenders when they were playing the best at their best uh, in that organization. So so pretty impressive. And I think the fans now uh, realized how special he was. Oh, absolutely. And uh, I also remember you told me a story uh, years ago, uh, this great Jerome McGinley story uh, in uh, Vegas, uh, wearing his jersey <laughs> at a pool. Yeah, we we were talking about it the other day, actually. Uh, uh, we have a Zoom poker game on the weekends, and um, his best friend is a guy named Bill Russell, who we grew up with in St. Albert, Alberta. And so every time, uh, you know, we all get together on the boys' trip, this one was in Vegas, uh, you know, Billy would – you know, have a Jersey for, he would bring a Jersey so that Jerome could sign it. And I'm sure it was for somebody back home. It wasn't for him, but it was like, Hey, you know, giving this to a kid or giving this to something. So, you know, it, it was a late night and early morning type of thing. And we're all sitting in the suite, just kind of assessing and we're going to go down by the pool. And, you know, Bill's got a couple jerseys there and I don't know how it came about, but, you know, I said, Iggy, why don't you put your Jersey on and, and see if you can walk around the pool and he was he was certain that he would not get recognized. He's like, I could do it. Nobody would recognize me. And I said, I guarantee you get recognized. And I think that, you know, we had like a friendly wager, whether it was a bucket of beer or something like that. First round uh, for, for the guys at the pool. And so Jerome put his own jersey on and, and walked around the pool and he made it almost around. And at the last second just as he was reaching back to, you know, Bill and myself and Jason Strudwick and those guys, um, some guy leans over and goes, Hey, you look a lot like Jerome McGinley. And so we all kind of bust out laughing. And so I think we won the bet, but it was, uh, it was pretty funny because, you know, people that know Jerome know that he's got a great sense of humor, but what you see with is what you get with Jerome. He's one of the best people out there. He's just such a class guy and people love him. Oh, absolutely. I loved him too. And you can read more stories uh, from uh, Jamie's, uh, the best seat in the house book, by the way, uh, get that on Amazon. Chris Pronger. Uh, I love that guy. He's such an intense competitor. Uh, you have to have uh, a great story with him, right? Yeah. He was texting me the other day, giving me heck because he's, 
you know, him and I are very close and he's a, like you say, he's an intense guy, but he's, he's funny. He's very, he's a very sharp person. Like he's, uh, you, you can talk to him about anything. He's very schooled in a lot of things. And, um, you know, one, one joke, uh, we used to have was, uh, prongs, uh, back then you get to have, um, you could have bonuses in your contract. So, so prongs had a million dollar bonus for plus minus if he won it in the league. Huh. And, uh, you know, so he was leading, I think it was him and Nick Lidstrom and maybe like Larry Murphy or somebody that were, were leading it one year and we're near the end of the season. So, you know, guys are well aware of it on our bench. So if, if Chris is out there, you, you know, uh, near the end of the game, you don't want to give up a goal and stuff. And I'll never forget we're we're playing Florida. <laughs> There's like five minutes left in the game. And, uh, we're up like five one and I'm on the bench and Grant Fears playing in the net and, and Pronger's kind of one-on-one with Stefan Mateau in the corner and Mateau just throws the puck towards the net and fears. He's kind of not paying attention and it hits his skate and goes in the net. <laughs> and it's not that big of a deal. Cause it, you know, it's like five minutes left. The game's over. We're winning now like five, two, but you know, that's a minus for Chris when it's like, that's a lot of money on, on the board. And, you know, and it's, so he's so mad. He like smashes his stick and he comes to the bench and he starts yelling at me. Like, it's my fault. Like I'm just sitting there and he's like, you tell that guy to wake up in there. And you could see Grant in the net. He's laughing. And so then we had a TV timeout the last one of the game and, and Grant comes to the bench and Chris is still hot. He's sitting beside me and fears. He starts spraying him with water <laughs> and, oh, man. And, and, and Chris is looking at him and he kind of smiles and, and Chris is like, you're killing me. Wake up out there. And, and Grant goes, you better be nice to me or I'll allow another one. And he starts <laughs> laughing and he skates back to the net. So, you know, long story short, I mean, that's the type of stuff that's funny out on the ice. Chris did end up getting uh, or winning the plus minus that year, and I think he got a pretty hefty bonus out of it. But, you know, it was just pretty funny back in the day where, you know, that that's the type of stuff that goes on. And, and uh, you know, nowadays I don't think you get bonuses for stuff like that. But, uh, boy, there's or it was more about the, the funny story of Fierzy kind of, coming off the post and not paying attention my toe sliding it in there so <laughs> what uh where's your favorite uh place to play and, and also to visit well you know what i you mentioned i was lucky enough to play in a bunch of different organizations and they were all kind of unique for me so i'll give an example like the islanders i was drafted to in 91 that was such a storied franchise so you know they dominated the 80s them and the oilers so I, I, you know, I get drafted there. Bill Torrey, Mr. Bill Torrey is our general manager. Al Arbor is my first coach. There's Bobby Nystrom and Clark Gillies, all these like legends uh, hanging around the organization. Uh, so, you know, that was really cool. Um, you know, to, and then I get to St. Louis and, and, and Keenan brings me in there and then he ends up leaving and it's Joel Quinville's first kind of uh, kick at the cat as a head coach. And, so, and we had really good teams in St. Louis. Like we won the president's trophy one year and St. Louis is such an amazing sports town. So that was really cool. And then I get taken in expansion and expansion, you know, if you're, you're starting from scratch and everyone in that room is kind of like, Hey, we're, 
you know, we're kind of cast offs from other organizations. So let's, we got something to prove and Jacques Lemaire is the head coach and he's a, a legend. So that was a really cool scenario. And the, and the city was dying for hockey because they had lost their team. So, you know, the, the support was ridiculous. So that was a, an amazing scenario. And then, you know, getting, uh, going to Calgary, it's, you know, a Canadian city, uh, I grew up in Alberta, played junior in Lethbridge, grew up in the Edmonton area. So it was, you know, a lot of close family and friends. And the only one that was a little bit unique is I got traded to the the Rangers. And I was only there for like six weeks. And it was a really cool experience. But at that point, the, the organization was a bit of a, a gong show because they had such a high payroll and they were dumping dumping players left and right. So Brian Leach got traded and they were, they were dumping all these high profile guys. So I was kind of there at, at the end of that mess. And then I signed with Florida as a free agent, which was cool because I thought I was going to go down there and grow my hair long and, and, and just kind of retire as the backup to Luongo. And, uh, you know, I played a season there. There was a lockout. So there was a lot of moving parts. So, that's kind of all the organizations it went through. I, I don't know if I had a favorite one like St. Louis because we had success, but Calgary was really cool too, playing in a uh, Canadian city, but they were all unique uh, in their own right. And that's why I love them all. And you went back to Calgary for your last year. Uh, you played with yeah. them. And yeah. Last... A couple tour, different tours of duty in, in Calgary and then ended up, you know, being an assistant coach or goaltender coach there. And, so that that was uh, that was cool. I spent a lot of time with that organization for sure. In your last game in the playoffs, famous of course, uh, the slashing uh, Johan Franz. And uh, tell us all that story, how that went down uh, in the playoffs there. Well, people, yeah, I mean, people think that you know that I targeted France and you know that because I'd been sitting there watching for five games. These guys uh, accidentally on purpose fall on Kippersoft, and that's what it was. Holmstrom and Franzen were were very physical in front of the net. They were both very great, good players. But that, that series had gotten pretty gritty, and Detroit was a team that was known, you know, they played in that gray area, ran a lot of picks, they were, a lot of stick work. They weren't fighters, but they played a tough game, and, and you know, game sometimes that, that players didn't like. You know, give you a shot after the whistle, but they wouldn't fight. And, you know, I, I remember sitting there, and not liking the fact that Franzen and 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 Holmstrom were every time around Kippersoft giving them shots and falling on top of them and you know being quite physical and doing what what it took to 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 help their team win and that particular night it was it was pretty gritty and they were giving it to us pretty good I think the score was like five one or five two or something and. Uh, they scored to, to make it that on Kipper and Jimmy looked, Jimmy Playfair was our coach. He looked down at me and said, get in there. And there was no, you know, preconceived anything. Uh, all I remember is that um, Iginla had been trying to go after a bunch of their, their players. Uh, Matthew uh, or no, um, uh, Damon Lankow was going after a couple of their players. And I thought to myself, if I could kind of start a line brawl here, maybe that would, you know, sway some of the momentum in our favor heading into game six. Mm -hmm. So when I got in, I started chopping away at Franzen and, and uh, you know, you saw me take the slash. You know, I regret it. I I regret it. It's not something that was in my character. It's not something that I was trying to hurt him. If you actually look, I slashed him on the 
the right pant. Everyone makes it like I slashed him in the head. No, I didn't. No, nope. but it was still a stupid move by me. And you know what? I got suspended for it. Um, you know, he was fine. I ended up having a conversation with him years later, just asking. He asked me what my thought process was. I actually told him I thought he was going to punch me in the face as he skated towards me. Um, but ultimately, I was a non-factor in that series, and uh, I got suspended for five games and got a fine and all that fun stuff. And you know, I, I never did serve the rest of the suspension because I got suspended going into game six and Franzen miraculously was fine and scored the overtime winner to eliminate us that night. So I, I still owe the league four games that they'll never get from me. And, you know, it's not a proud situation for me whatsoever, but uh, you know, that was kind of the thought process behind it is to, you know, try and stand up for my teammates and it kind of backfired. McLennan's going to get a penalty here, slashing Johan Franzen. Oh my God. Oh, oh what is he I'm doing? Right oh my God. Well, that was just an Oh, no, that's just imbecilic. Throw him right out. That's so out of character for him. That is bizarre. And the NHL is slated to return here uh, August 1st after several months off. Uh, do you think the league will be able to pull us off? And, and if, you, if you were a player playing today, uh, how do you feel about going back to play if you were in their skates, not shoes? You know what? I, I got to be honest. I think the safest place in the world will be in these bubbles. <laughs> you just got to get in there and be negative. Put it that way. These, these leagues, especially in the National Hockey League, are going to do everything they can to, to make sure these places are, are going to be a safe environment for the guys to play. So, you know, you're not going to be taking, you, you know, you're, you're not going to have to, like, for example, if I had to go to Shoppers Drug Mart right now, I have to wear a mask and gloves or whatever I decide to do. And I, there's no trust of, of, I don't know who's in that building. I don't know uh, who's not tested, who's not feeling well, all that type of stuff. Everywhere these guys are going to go in this bubble, People are going to be tested and it's going to be uh, they're going to be exposed to things. You hope that uh, uh, what they're trying to pull off is, is a clean environment. So I, I, I think and I've talked to guys in the league, several guys, and their their hope is just to get into this bubble and start playing. I think I'm, I'm so excited for it. I, I think it's just been such a long time coming. Yeah. I, I think the world needs this. I really do. I think there's people that are really struggling out there and they need uh even we'll call it a positive distraction. Mm -hmm. And I know there's probably going to be some bumps in the road still. And, and you hope that there's not too many, but I, I think the league, especially, you know, the national hockey league has done a really good job of, of trying to protect these players uh, in the best way they can really, because this is, you know, such an unknown entity of what we're dealing with here. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, who do you think uh, wins the cup and who's a, a dark horse team? I, I like the Rangers as, as a good dark horse team. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to. I don't even know if I can call Colorado a dark horse team because I think that they're, I think they're a monster of a team. I really do. The, the you know the the biggest thing for me with Colorado is if they get saves, and and you know what that can be equated to any team. If you're not getting saves, you're in trouble in a short tournament like this. So. You know, your team can look amazing. If Vasilevsky doesn't look like Vasilevsky, Tampa's in trouble. Uh, if Hellebuck doesn't look like Hellebuck, Winnipeg's in trouble. Mike Smith in Edmonton, you go right around. Frederick Anderson in Toronto. Like, th this league shouldn't be called the National Hockey League. It should be called goalie. 
and <laughs> and let's see who who you know if you get average goaltending or better i think you give yourself a chance but if your goaltender is a weak point especially in, in a tournament that's a sprint like this uh you're in trouble what are your thoughts on uh, people calling hockey ice hockey does that drive you crazy because that drives me absolutely insane sorry calling what uh if, you know if they're talking about hockey they say blah 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 ice hockey as opposed to just calling it <laughs> hockey that drives me insane <laughs> Me I don't nuts. know. I mean, you know what? I honestly feel like that, and, and this is no slight, but it's I, maybe that's more of an American term, is it not? I think it is. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. anytime I hear it, I'm just like, oh god, yeah, just, just, oh god, it drives me well, crazy. Well, I mean, I it's tell. it's the argument towards sweaters or jersey. It's the argument towards locker room or change room or dressing room. Like, you know, it, it's. I agree. Like, I think. If you have somebody that walks up to you and say, "Oh, you know, Jamie McLennan, you're a you were an ice hockey player," <laughs> oh, to God. me, that says that they're not super schooled when mm. it comes to that sport. True. That's you know, it, it could just be like, "Yeah, he's a hockey player." Like I, everyone would understand, but it might not even be. You know, I'm probably speaking out of turn. I don't even think that's American. I feel like that would be like if I was like in England or Australia or somewhere mm. where. True. He's like, yeah, you were an ice hockey player. I'm like, yeah, that makes sense, you know. <laughs> but I think that would be more like if I was in Australia or in England, somewhere like that. Yeah, uh, I just there's certain things that uh, rankle me. Uh, uh, that uh, people calling chocolate bars candy bars for some reason. Uh, I hate that one too. And uh, uh, soda instead of pop. Uh, just, uh, just stop. I know, but people don't understand. Like, if I say pop, I don't think that's an accepted term in the states, especially. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, I, I love diet root beer, A&W diet root beer. Like that's kind of one of my vices. Nice. But I, if I say like a pop, I, I don't know if everyone would, would know that soda, I think is universally accepted, even though you don't, you may not like it. At least you, people know what a soda is pop. I think people, only people that maybe more Canadian, it might be more of a Canadian term. Than, than anything, but I call it pop too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, of, of all those terms, ice hockey for sure is the one that uh, gets me going the, the most. <laughs> uh, this story always rattled me. You told me about this before. You had a chance to golf at Pebble Beach with uh, some players, and what did you end up doing instead of golfing at Pebble Beach? I had two cell phones at the time, and I just sat on them and texted and talked uh, <laughs> while my, uh, my right winger, my fourth line right winger, Jeff Nielsen, uh, in flip-flops or like, shoes with no socks on shot a 72 oh, wow. he was a scratch golfer uh who went to college on hockey and golf scholarships and he chose hockey he chose to play in the nhl instead of playing on the golf tour and he he was an unreal golfer so i rode in the cart with him and he just honest to god like he would just tell me this is what i'm going to do with this shot i'm gonna i'm gonna shoot it past the hole and and skip it and bring it back towards it and he did, it was unreal watching somebody that talented on the golf course up that close. Like I say, he shot a 72 that day, and I I don't even know if he took a warm-up shot, and I swear to God he wasn't wearing socks, and I, I, I think at one point he was wearing flip-flops. So <laughs> that's, that's how impressive of a golfer he was. Well, and during this pandemic, you still haven't picked up golf? Uh, still don't uh, care for it? or No, no. I oh. You know what? I... I'm the busiest guy who does nothing and there's no way I'm taking another five hours out of my life to go golfing. I, I barely leave my house. I, I, that's, that's the truth. I'm, I'm kind of 
you know, been a homebody through this whole pandemic. No, that makes sense. I'll get you out of here, uh, out of here on this. Uh, I have to ask this. Uh, years back, I uh, accidentally ate your sandwich one night. Uh, we were on uh, yeah. That's Hockey Tonight. Uh, explain uh, your side of the story on that, and uh, have you forgiven me for that? I've forgiven you, but you know what? It's it's still a sore spot because, <laughs> you know, I was a nice guy that night, and wasn't it Pizza Nova I ordered? And then banquet what cheddar? happened? Oh, so good that pizza. Yeah, I always ordered the banquet cheddar pizza, but that night I wanted like a chicken parm sandwich, but it always comes with a bunch of nonsense on it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, extra sauce and onions and all these things, lettuce. So I had ordered a plain one. And I think maybe Coolius and other people had, had ordered sandwiches as well as the pizza. And when we were on air, we were, I think we were doing a live show when the food came. And when I got off air, I was so excited to eat my chicken sandwich and it was all over your face. You had eaten it. And and you just basically pointed and said, well, there's other chicken sandwiches there. And I said, no, that was a special one. The one that I had just ordered with chicken and cheese and nothing else. And for you to just go and eat the chicken and cheese and nothing else, to me, I still blame you. The lack of awareness <laughs> of, didn't, of didn't... what is ordered around you. You just went up to the table and started eating because you had a growl on. And you were not aware of the surroundings. And to this day, I think I've forgiven you, but it's still a sore spot. I remember it like it was yesterday, and that was like six years ago. Yeah, well, it was there never. There was no actual. Uh, There's no um, nothing to denote that that was your sandwich. Of course, if I was like, oh God, you know, if it's a special sandwich, of course I wouldn't have had it. So to me, I was like, this is kind of weird. This doesn't really have much on it because everyone else was talking about their sandwiches, and and then of course I finished it, and then I was like, oh no. Damn, so yeah. you obviously you got screwed, and then I uh, also uh, took that sandwich as well, and uh, yeah, my yeah. bad on that one. Uh, you, you ate my sandwich, and, and to this day, <laughs> I don't even know if I've ever ordered another sandwich from Pizza Nova, because I just ordered Banquet Cheddar now, but it just, I, I'll never forget that fateful night. It was very, very frustrating from my end, because we had about three shows ahead of us, and I was starving, and I was rattled from you eating it. Well, I definitely can say I apologize for that. Uh, that's uh, <laughs> very unfortunate. But yeah, that, that banquet cheddar pizza, by the way. Oh my God, I, you introduced me to that uh, years back, and that is just the greatest. And it's so greasy, but so good. Yeah, we still. Uh, I still enjoy it when I do order uh, pizza out. Uh, pizza Nova banquet cheddar is my go-to. Has to be. Well, uh, thank you so much uh, for this uh, discussion, Jamie. It was great, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, continued success and best of luck. Thanks, buddy. We'll talk soon. That was such a fun discussion with Jamie Noodles McLennan. I'm sorry, man. That sandwich wasn't as good as it could have been for both me and you. I swear I was framed in that. You can follow him on Twitter at JamieMcLennan29 along with his radio show Twitter handle at Overdrive1050. Be sure to pick up his book, The Best Seat in the House, as well. He's such a beauty, and I could listen to his stories about former teammates all day long. He's played with and is friends with NHL royalty. I'm super pumped for ice hockey to start back up. Maybe I'll watch a game while drinking a soda and eating a candy bar. Thank you for listening to episode 32 of the H-Dog Pod. Bang! This has been the H-Dog Pod with host Michael the Hound Dog Harrison. Bang! Bang! Bang!